Hey, the Washington football team that classified best podcast that's out there. You know we got some good people like Eric and Ellie, they on there. We know Washington football team, the best team out there, and we don't care. They used to talk about how we ain't make it to the players, but boy, did y'all go there? Let's talk about Chase Young getting them sacks. Let's talk about Gibson running it back. Let's talk about Terry Lawrence scoring touchdowns every time he catching that pass. Let's talk about Rupert Foster, how he's sitting there waiting for somebody to run that slant. Let's talk about Kim Fuller, how many picks he got. Yeah, the boy be still in the pass. six. Welcome back to the Washington football team declassified podcast. It is LE in the building. How is everybody today? Hope if you're listening right now, I hope you're doing all right. I genuinely mean that. Eric, how are you today? I've uh, just been taking a beating from Dallas fans all day, but other than that, I'm all right. <laughs> Worst kind of beating there is. Brian, how you hanging, man? I'm alive. I survived the, uh, the beatdown. I'm doing okay. The Sunday night slaughter. This is a uh, a very special episode. It was meant to be a celebration. If uh, if you've been riding with us since the beginning, you will know. 365 days ago, exactly, Eric and I dropped the very first episode of WFTD Classified. It has been one year. We made it. We have grown. It has been a lot of fun. We've expanded to a website, uh, things of that nature. So, And we expanded members. We now have Brian here, which we're also grateful for. So every, everybody that's been with us since the very, very first episode this time last year, we thank you, we appreciate you, and everybody that's come along since then, thank you as well. On that first episode, Eric and I were talking about this guy named Taylor Heineke who started against like the Panthers and how he was going to become this fan sensation and we didn't want anybody to get caught up in it and <laughs> look what happened. Um, I think I compared him to Rex Grossman if you yes, go you back. Did. Yeah, yes, I think that was it. I had he was a little Rex Grossman to him, yeah. and that wasn't that wasn't even a slight. I didn't even mean it in a bad way. Nope. And uh, the day after we recorded our first episode, I remember I went uh, out to Charlottesville, Virginia, for a couple of things, and I got a bagel at that bagel shop in Charlottesville. You guys familiar with what I'm talking about? It's like uh, bagel something to do bagel. Badu. I can't remember. That's the one all the UVA kids go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that bagel shop. And I thought, oh, you know, everybody recommended it highly. I was like, you know, living life. I'm like, we're going to change things. We're going to get our franchise quarterback this offseason. And uh, you know what we didn't do? <laughs> Little did you know. Little did I know. Yes. But that bagel was legit. That so bagel wasn't, was... a complete, <laughs> wasn't a complete waste of a day. <laughs> I was listening to our podcast, our very first episode. I'm only out there. It's Bodo Bagels. That's what it is. Um, but shout out to everybody at Bodo Bagels. They were very good to me there. Um, anywho, so last night we got, I don't know what else to say it, but bludgeoned against uh, Dallas. And the thing that I think bothers me most about that loss is the fact that it didn't seem like our players really cared about that game yesterday. And I know that's a lot to infer when you're just watching it on TV, but that was awful. I'm just going to be real about it. Eric, uh, give me your, your quick snapshot of the game yesterday. Yeah, it was it was rough to watch. Um, and I think it was just the culmination of just a horrible week for the team with the short week, the low practice. You had the accident that uh, DeShazer Ebert got into on, I think it was Christmas Eve. And, you know, all the COVID stuff. You had guys just coming back that day. You lost Jamin Davis right before the game. There was a lot going on. 
outside and in, in no way does that excuse the just a pathetic performance on the field but I kind of see it like I'm sure there were just too many distractions this week to deal with um, and what you saw was the result of that they just didn't look ready to play Dallas had an answer for everything uh, everything we did um, and you know we looked tired uh, winded um, you know when Dallas went hurry up offense on us it just we had no no answer for it. Uh, there's just way too much frustration, a lot of apathy, and I think it was just a bad week. I'm curious to see how we how we move forward, what we look like in the coming game. Yep, me too, because that was some garbage. Brian, give me your thoughts on the game, real quick. Yeah, it was it was shockingly bad. Um, we were outclassed in every sense of the word. I mean, there wasn't anything that we could hang our hat on and say, okay, we did that well. Not even special teams. Uh, we got beat down there as well, too. So it was a, a, a total uh, embarrassment of a performance uh, in terms of preparation for the players, the execution on the field, the coaching, the coaching uh during the game, there was no adjustments. There was no, um, you know, any type of, uh, you know, trying to get the team refocused or anything like that, you know, while things are happening to them. And, you know, Eric pointed it out. Yeah, it was a bad week. Um, but, you know, we, we all have those things that we got to go through in life, but we still managed to go to work and to perform and to be, uh, you know, a father or a mother, uh, you know, while these other, you know, things are happening to us. And this team just could not handle any of the adversity thrown their way. Not last week, not the week before and certainly not this week uh they you know they they looked lost confused unprepared um and you know something i thought well i wouldn't see under a ron rivera team almost uninterested you know those guys ron does uh you know get those guys to play play hard play in you know well into you know the end of the season things like that but you know i started to question that uh with some of the things i saw uh yesterday so uh very tough game to watch Tough game to swallow. It was. It was. It was also embarrassing. Can I say that? It was embarrassing watching that game last night because of the lack of fight that you mentioned, Brian, but also because of the fight on the sideline on national TV. And yeah. you know what? When you're a franchise like Washington and you've been villainized by so many different media outlets, valid or invalid, we've been villainized because of our owner, because of the name, because of a lot of different things. And then you go on national TV and you're swinging on each other on the sidelines in a game when you're getting absolutely demolished in. Eric, tell me how you felt about that Jonathan Allen and uh, Deron Payne scuffle on the sidelines. Yeah, I thought the perception of it was, was going to be the and, – and I was right. The perception of it is way worse than what probably went down. But because it was, you know, there's a million cameras on you on the sideline, uh, you know, they're going to jump on anything they can. And in this case, it was just two guys that have known each other forever. Um, and, you know, things got heated. And, you know, if this is something that happens on the practice field, you know, you never see it again. But because it happened on the sideline of a primetime game, um, it's uh, it's not a good look for sure. Um, I don't think there's any, like, underlying animosity there. I just think that it it was just – like I say, it was the culmination of just a lot of frustration boiling over. And unfortunately, you got caught on national TV. So it doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, for those of you who don't know, Eric and I played basketball together for a long time. And he and has punched me. <laughs> how many times have he punched me? <laughs> and we're still cool. You know, just because I dunk on him <laughs> over and over again. 
but as we played on the same team a couple of times too, and at no point would I put my finger on Eric's forehead. But if I did, and we were in the workplace, I would not expect an uppercut from, <laughs> from you. Eric. Wouldn't you're gonna seriously tell me that if you put your finger in somebody's face like that, you you would not expect to get punched? Because I would. I mean, if I did that to you at work, I would not be surprised if you swung on me. I would never. Because yeah, I, like that's just you don't do that, man. You know, like that's just disrespect, especially like in front of a, you know how many thousands of people watching. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would disagree on that. Like yeah. uh, workplace or not. I think if you, if you put your hands on somebody in a heated moment, whether yeah. it's workplace, whether it's on the football field, whether it's in a grocery store, you better be prepared to defend yourself because it's not going to end well as soon as you make contact with somebody else. So for all the, the, the individuals out there, and I'm not condoning anything here, but if somebody puts your, uh, their hands on you, you know, I, there's only so many responses that are going to come next. So, you know, I mean, I think that was, uh, you know, most likely the uh, the inevitable next step was that Jonathan Allen was going to throw a punch. Very sad that it happened to us. And it was national television prime time. Uh, and, you know, Eric's right. The perception of it makes it way worse. I mean, how many times have we seen a fight on the sideline between a player and a coach? two players like that happens uh, throughout every NFL season, basketball, uh, baseball, it doesn't matter. Like that happens between teammates in competition. And especially if you're getting blown out, that's really going to happen. So uh, sad, frustrating to see, but nothing there was anything that hasn't happened before, but because it's us, it's going to get blown out of proportion. See, I think, I think you guys are downplaying this a little bit too much for my liking. Um, Think about this. Buddy Ryan was a great defensive coordinator, but what is he most known for? The sideline punch, right? I think yeah. with Jeff, Jeff Fisher, things like that. So I, I, and I also disagree with what you guys are saying about the expected reaction from Allen. Look, did Deron Payne do something that was not right? Yes, he did. He absolutely did. I don't know what he was saying to Allen on the sideline. I don't know what he was trying to convey, but evidently Allen wasn't having any of it. And then he put his finger on his temple to talk to him. You know, did he mush him? No, but yeah, he, he did. Did he mush he him mushed, with the one he finger? He mushed him. Did he, he mush him with the one there finger? Was okay. definite, what there was kind mushery. of mushery. <laughs> Excessive kind of, mushery. That's the penalty. What kind of talking involves pushing somebody in the in the head with their fingers? I mean, yeah. he, no, he, that's he, just, he, you're he, disrespecting he, your team yeah. captain at that point. Yeah, fair. I can't. You can't do it. Yeah, that's fair. But he gave him the one finger mush. Okay, I get it. But how I'm going to handle that, and you know, you might you might handle it differently. But what I would do, and what I would feel like would be justified, is if he swatted away his hand, and then he stood up and he got in his face and said, "No, bro, you got to chill." That is a perfectly acceptable reaction to me. But because Jonathan Allen is the leader of this team the vocal leader to the media for this team, team captain, just got a new deal. I don't think that responding to somebody pointing or mushing you with one finger with a punch on national TV I, is the right response. I don't, I don't buy that. I hold Jonathan Allen more accountable in this situation than I do Deron Payne, period, because of those things. Because of those things. He's a leader. You can't do that. It doesn't matter what somebody else did to you. Now, if, if Payne punches him, obviously we got to talk. But the one-finger mush, you can handle that different. You can swat his hand away aggressively. You can grab his arm, and you can pull him close and say, 
uh-uh, it ain't going down like that. But just responding with a punch was just not a good look for me. That being said, you know what was more disappointing for me in that situation? He didn't land it. <laughs> yeah. Where oh, was the time? Landed that Made one contact. night-night. <laughs> well, okay, that too. But where were the coaches when this was going on? Well, the position coach was right there with him. He's the one that separated him. He was literally, I mean, Payne reached over the coach to do that to Allen. But he didn't Allen separate, swung over him. He didn't separate them enough. And that also tells you, think about this. So you're talking about Sam Mills, the position coach, right? Yeah. What does that say about their lack of care for his authority that they would do that over top of him? That's not good, Eric, Brian. That's not good. You think you think. I don't know, um, you know, one of the, the Patriots defenders are doing that over top of Bill Belichick's head. It's, it's not happening. It's not happening. Well, they didn't do it over top of Ron Rivera either. I mean, you don't you get the point. You get the point. Are they going to no, do it over? I mean, it's not the same. It's, you know, you've got two. I mean, I don't like this word because it's been kind of overdone by the Internet, but you've got two alphas barking at each other on the sideline. You've got a coach who's probably not as uh, fit as those guys are. He's doing his best. He's staying between them. But, you know, it was it, it happened quick. I mean, he, you know, Payne just reached over him, did the did the mush uh, and Allen just jumped up and swung on him. And Mills jumped in the middle of him. The rest of the, team, the teammates jumped in the middle. And you've got, you know, when you when, when these guys go off to the sideline, the first thing they do is break into position groups, go sit sure. with their coach. So it's not like Jack Del Rio is going to be right there or Ron Rivera is going to be right there. Um, and I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't I don't know that it's that much of a respect. I think it was two alpha dogs in a heat yeah. of a moment, got lost their cool. And I think they both, they both at this point probably regret it, but what are they going to do at this point? But yeah, I don't know, but it's. I got to uh, imagine at that point, those two were so far frustrated that it wouldn't have mattered who was standing next to them. They were going to do what they were going to do. I mean, neither of them seemed like they were in a place to talk reasonably and, or, you know, kind of sell things in a different way. They, they were extremely frustrated so I don't know if it had been a different position coach Del Rio or even Ron if um you know if I I mean from the way Deron Payne was uh was going he probably still would uh, would have uh, continued and done what he had uh what he did because he looked upset I mean it took him a while on that sideline to calm himself down so um I think it uh it was just a bad showing all the way around for those guys yeah, now I would fault Mills for not de-escalating when he saw it getting like that. Um, I don't know what kind of training those guys have in de-escalation, but that's a, uh, probably a, vi- a valuable skill to have uh, when you're dealing with 300-pound guys who are very aggressive. So, yeah, I would fault. I mean, I would put that on Mills. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out if anybody gets cut or fired. But uh, I don't see. You know, I think it was too. I think it was a heat of the moment thing. Shouldn't have happened. Period. But. All right, moving on from that, the quarterback play last night. Eric, we always go to you for your Heineke O meter. Where are you at on the Heineke meter in terms of long term viability? Mm, I'm in the baggage cart right now. I didn't skip <laughs> skipped over coach. I'm right to the. I'm just barely hanging on. Uh, he, you know, he is. I mean, he is pretty much what I thought he is all year. I think he's a very capable backup quarterback. He's not a long-term solution, and this team needs to find the quarterback this offseason. If they have, if they want to have any chance moving forward, they have to find a quarterback who can make throws that, I mean, Heineke just can't. That first throw of the game, first of all, should not have been thrown. Yeah. 
Second of all, put it out toward the sideline. You got to you got to muscle it over the defender. He he just doesn't have the arm to make those type of throws. And you know, and it's and it's almost like I don't think Kyle Allen is that great of a quarterback. But just for the arm strength, I would put him in at this point over Heineke because he can make throws that Heineke can't make. He you know when you when you don't have a strong arm, you you don't have a lot of leeway with bad decision making, and that burned. Uh, Heineke last night that said the whole thing wasn't on him I mean the offensive line was just a complete sieve they really miss Brandon Sheriff um, Keith Ishmael's getting dominated uh, so you know I don't think it was completely on him he was running for his life most of the night but he is definitely not blameless uh, in last night's game and I'm I'm ready to move on uh, like I said I'd love to have him here as a backup quarterback because I think if your starter goes down he can come in for two or three games and play well I just you know you're seeing it over 16 games I just don't think he's He's the guy. And he you was know, trash last night. He was trash. And was bad. Allen was better than he was. Dallas was night. not at all concerned about Heineke throwing the football last night. Nope. They did not respect that, not one bit. And what is the deal, Brian, with the Cowboys and laying next to Heineke after he gets sacked? Like, this is the second game in a row where there's a Dallas defender. Last night, one of the Dallas defenders literally – uh barrel rolled over to him and laid next to him on the ground yeah i think it was gregory yeah Yeah, randy gregory what's going on there brian uh it it is a total lack of respect uh for the opponent but even you know put that aside what it is is they know they can do it to us and get away with it because we're not going to respond by you know scoring touchdowns or you know stopping them from scoring they know that they know we're going to come out with the same plays on offense, the same non-adjustments on defense, and they're going to have their way with us. That's why they do it, because they can get away with it. They did that. There was no flag. There was no offensive lineman there to bury his helmet right in Randy Gregory's chest when he did that. Nobody, nothing, nothing happened to him. Uh, so Cowboys are going to keep doing that until we, you know, either start scoring some touchdowns, we can beat them, or we come up with a game plan that says, hey, you know what? We're not just going to let you walk all over us each game. We're actually going to uh, play with you. We're actually going to fight you. We're actually going to compete with you uh, on a full-time basis here, as opposed to, oh, we, we got a seven-point lead, and now we're, we're going to give that up and lay over and roll over for the rest of the game. But that's why they do it. They know they can get away with it. And they know that we're not going to do anything about it. And clearly, uh, from the performance that uh, came out there last night, there was no, uh, you know, we weren't doing anything about it. We were letting everything happen to us. So that's uh, that's what's going on. And you can expect the next time we play Dallas, there to be some more hijinks like that, whether it's rolling over, whether it's, um, you know, standing behind uh, Heineke or posing or just hitting him illegally and getting away with it. He got rocked with the helmet crown the helmet to the yep. chest last night no, yeah there no was a flags. consistent no theme flags. of no flags uh last night that on was, one side of the ball man um i'm gonna go i'm gonna talk about the defense next but eric you mentioned it you think kyle allen should be the guy going forward brian are you in agreement with that oh yeah i mean we should have seen kyle allen in the first dallas game um probably at halftime or maybe right before halftime when we saw Heineke was ineffective. Heineke was already, you know, he had taken a couple of shots and had to come out of the game. Kyle Allen should have been in the game then. This kind of insistence on keeping Heineke in, even, you know, bad performance after bad performance tells me there's somebody championing 
uh, for him, right? There's somebody out there advocating for him to stay in the game, whether that's Rivera, whether that's Scott Turner, I probably feel it's Scott Turner. Um, that's, that's the case. So we're going to see Taylor Heineke again, but yeah, Kyle Allen should be in there because I mean, we've seen it. We've seen, we know by now, Kyle, uh, Taylor Heineke is a backup. And uh, if we're going to keep asking him to drop back and pass, um, it's just going to be a recipe for disaster. For sure. And Eric, one of your favorite players got a punt block last night. Trust way got a punt block last night. When's the last time we saw that happen, man? That was, it was really more indicative of the game itself. I mean, it was just a complete and utter mental collapse last night. Yeah. Wendell Smith. Yeah. If, uh, I don't know, the guy took it right off his foot. So it's not, I don't know that that was on way. Whoever was supposed to be blocking, whoever that guy was, uh, did not do their job because it was, I mean, he was, he took it right off of his leg. Um, you know, if it gets blocked, you know, if he gets it off and it gets blocked, he, you know, he hit it low or something like that. But when somebody's right there, you know, making contact with the ball at the same time and hits your foot, uh, I think you, you got to look at your, you got to look at your protection at that point. But still, yeah. stress way, that's unacceptable. Yeah, it's, it's, she's. So looking at our defensive performance last night, um, this to me might have been the the worst of the two performances between offense and defense. I know the offense was bad, but you kind of expected that like this far in this season. The defense had been playing better as of recent times. And last night, Dallas could do whatever they wanted when they wanted. They mercifully put up 56 points on us. They could have gone for 70, 80 if they wanted to. I mean, Dak had 330 and four touchdowns. Then they bought in Cooper Rush, who was just dicing us up. He had <laughs> two of three for 70 yards and a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott looked decent. Pollard was eating. Just we couldn't do anything to stop him. The receivers were killing our DBs constantly. I mean, there was just nothing on defense that we could do. Brian, do you blame that on the uh, issues we've had with COVID and some of the backups being there? Um, did the defense just not want to be there? What do you, what do you attribute this to? Oh, it, you know, I, I know everyone's going to blame it on COVID, new players. These, these guys just didn't learn football, you know, last week or the week before. They know how to blitz. They know how to run stunts. They know how to make adjustments, call audibles. Uh, and this includes the coaching staff, right? The coaching staff knows uh, how to do those things. They know how to make adjustments but they were unwilling to do any of those things. Um, I, I really got to look hard at Jack Del Rio. Like you're sitting in your base defense in your soft zone coverage and you stay there the whole night while they just march up and down the field, scoring touchdowns left and right. And you make no adjustment. You don't try to, you know, maybe play some bump and run. You don't try to maybe blitz. Maybe, maybe you get a, a bad throw from Dak um, and, and get an interception. Like, you know, like we did last uh, time we played Dallas. Um, there was none of that. Um, and, and not only, you know, do you not make any of those adjustments, that, that hurts the players, though. Those guys are now, you know, having to run this defense that puts them out of position. I mean, how many times do we see uh, a, a Cowboys receiver catch the ball and there's not a guy near him? That not that, you know, that's not necessarily, oh, our guys can't cover. They're playing so far away from these receivers that, uh, you know, they have to sprint, you know, 10 yards just to get to the guy once he catches it. So um, I got to I got to lay that one at the feet of Jack Del Rio. there. not even trying to switch anything up, change anything up. I mean, there are simple blitzes. They're simple coverage, uh, you know, adjustments they could have ran. They refused to. They sat in a base 
soft zone defense and just just you know took the abuse all night. It was ugly. Eric, was there anything that we could have done differently defensively to help the cause? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm not a uh, defensive mastermind by any stretch of the imagination. I know Dallas was running a lot of uh, no huddle, um, which kind of limits substitution. And <clears throat> Dallas's base players, you know, again, or, you know, Dallas's, you know, what is it? Uh, 11 personnel, one tight end, one running back with three receivers against, you know, the ragtag band that Washington has back there sitting in a base defense because they can't get subs in is, is a recipe for disaster. Um, still, you know, you know, Del Rio does have the helmet radio. He can get into whoever, whoever was wearing the helmet radio last night. I have no idea. Um, you know, the team, you know, in, in our defense, you know, there were no healthy linebackers, that guy that they, he didn't even have like an intro for Monday night football when they just announced his, they just threw his picture up there when everybody was announcing their name and saying they were from the U. Um, so I, I don't know what they could have done differently. It was a rough night. Um, you know, they, they certainly could have been more aggressive, uh, if, you know, the, if the guys in there knew how to blitz or knew what the packages were for blitzing, what gap or whatever, um, you know, there is a lot of coordination that goes along with that, but still these guys are NFL players. They probably could have, could, you know, could have pulled that off. Del Rio, I guess, could have been a little bit more, uh, a little bit more aggressive. So yeah, just a bad night all around. Indeed it was. Um, I, will say, I, I will say, even if we did have healthy linebackers, it would have just been Cole Holcomb who played the entire game. And then at the end of the game, we would have been wondering why, hey, how come no, no other uh, linebackers actually uh, got to play? Jamin Davis had 12 snaps. Uh, so I, yeah, I really got to question Del Rio and his line, uh, management uh, of snaps and just uh, adjustments uh, on there. Like uh, so much more could have been done, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it would have equated to a win because Dallas just seemed to be in a different class than us. And as a longtime Redskins slash Washington football team fan, you never want to say that, you know, like you always want to be competitive and beat the Cowboys. And we were neither last night. It was, it was just flat out brutal. And with, with losses like these, there's not really a lot you can take away from it. I kind of like liken this to high school football you know, when your team is not that good and then you go to, you travel to like play the state champs or something like that and you get off the bus and they're all like grown men and, you know, you barely got hair on your upper lip and these guys got full beards and, and you're like, oh no, oh no. You know what it's going to be by the time you get off the bus. That's what this felt like. It felt like the team um, walked into their to the stadium and they just knew it was not going to be good from the time they got there. And they never recovered from that. So ultimately a very, very disappointing game. Um, I, I believe the playoffs are now out of the question. And so we turn the page to Philly. Um, any last thoughts before we get out of here, Eric? We are not mathematically eliminated. So there's always a chance. Okay. I'll take the positivity. Yeah. Always a chance. Always a chance. Brian, what about you, man? Well, my questions uh, or thought is uh, for you guys, you know, with, with the chaos that was happening on the field, right, just the poor execution, touchdowns flying over our head, um, fights going on, on the sideline, you know, Rivera has looked like he's looked the past two years, Our arms folded on the sideline, not you know, saying anything, uh, and I'm a big Rivera fan. Does that bother you guys when you see that, especially when there's chaos like that happening around the team? Just to, just for, you know, Rivera, just to maybe calm the team down, bring the defense over to the side, 
and, and maybe just kind of refocus them a little bit, bring the offense over to the side and maybe refocus them a little bit during the game. You know, not even talking about, you know, adjustments, calling different plays, not even that just a, Hey, I know he's there. He's invested. He's trying to do something. Is that something you guys think, uh, you know, maybe could have helped maybe, you know, not, not that we would have won, but you know, maybe uh, we don't look so lost the entire game. Maybe it, uh, we put up a little bit better fight. So I think Del Rio, oh, excuse me, not Del Rio. I think Rivera, I don't know. He just seems to be the type that really trusts his assistants to handle what they're supposed to handle. So it's like, yes, I would love to see a more animated Rivera, but you never want a coach being who he is not. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to be who you are. And I think he likes to be the calming presence on the sideline. Did it work? Heck no. So maybe it was time to try something different. The coordinators, they, you know, the cameras don't really focus a lot on the coordinators, so I can't speak to what they were or were not doing. But I hope, I hope when the team or in the coaching staff has their meetings on Monday and Tuesday of this week that they really sit down and, and address the fact this wasn't good enough from a coaching perspective and they have to be better going forward. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um you have to be authentic as a coach. And that's who Rivera is on the sidelines. I'm sure. I mean, I've heard like clips of him at halftime laying into the players and getting on people. Um, I think he does it, but I don't think he likes to portray that, you know, on the sidelines. Um, and that's just who he is. So that's, you know, what he's going to be. You can't be a phony, you know, players will spot a phony from a mile away. So if you try to act in a way that you are not uh, being authentic, uh, it's not going to fool anybody at this level. So you know, it is what it is with Rivera. I mean, you know, it maybe would have made me feel better to see him yelling at people on the sidelines, but it's about the team, not me. So Ron's got to be Ron. I'm really curious to see how they respond this week. This is a big, uh, this is a big week for them because if, if they come out flat again, I mean, you have to start questioning Ron's ability to lead them. I personally don't think they will come out flat this week uh, against Philly. Um, I think that you'll see a big rebound with a full week of practice and getting guys back, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yep. All we can do. Um, all right. So I got New Year's is coming up. Uh, I got a New Year's resolution for the podcast. Uh, my New Year's resolution is that we are going to be more proactive with YouTube. I know everybody who likes listening on the audio only format. That is my favorite format. And hence why we don't really promote or do anything with our YouTube channel. But in the coming year, 2022, my resolution is to be more proactive with YouTube, which means I need to go to the barbershop and get my hair cut because when I don't, my hairline looks like the Batman bat signal, but uh, I will get that taken care of for you guys and be more proactive with YouTube. Eric, do you have any uh, podcast resolutions for next year? Yeah. If we're going to be doing YouTube, I gotta, I gotta go see your barber too. I look like a Lego figure if I don't get my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to make that happen. Yeah. I just, uh, I hope we can just provide better insight as we grow in this so yeah that's my resolution to get better at what i do there you go i like it brian what about you what's your podcast resolution podcast resolution is to uh get better at interacting uh with everybody uh on twitter and uh you know hopefully uh through youtube as well too um you know i appreciate uh all the support from everybody uh online everybody on twitter uh all the feedback please uh you know keep engaging with us and uh, i'll do my best to uh to get better at all of this uh podcasting thing here indeed we are here for all of you guys that are listening once again on our one year anniversary Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for taking the ride. Thank you for telling your friends. 
Don't forget to leave a review on your podcast platform, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, and we will see you later.